0: Hello and welcome once more to Country Roads Confidential. I am your host, Chris Anderson, publisher of earsports.com, the West Virginia site on the 24-7sports.com network. It's Baylor week, a shortened week, expedited week, a weird week, actually. Uh, West Virginia kind of had an open week there and began with Saturday practice, treating it like a Monday, Sunday like a Tuesday, and so on leading up to Thursday night's contest in Waco against the undefeated Bears. And it's time for us to preview that here on the Country Roads Confidential Podcast. And I need my friend, who I have forgiven for his harsh, harsh words. We took some time off, took a break from each other, and I'm welcoming him back now. Mike, how are things?
1: You put it that way, I'm refreshed. I feel (laughs) clean, uh, renewed energy. Everything's good to go. Um, It occurs to me, it's a weird run in this season. Like, the schedule is strange, and it has been very forgiving. And it's also bizarre because, like, they played the three best teams, quote-unquote, in the conference in a row, and those teams just lost. And then West Virginia has to play all the teams that just beat those teams. So, it was hard. It doesn't necessarily get easier. But here's the weird thing about this season. West Virginia is not only not – The only game on TV on Thursday night, which is kind of something that programs can thump their chest about. Hey, we're the only show in town. Watch us, right? There is another game at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. West Virginia isn't even the only Mountaineers playing Mm. (laughs) on Thursday night. Appalachian State plays on Thursday night, too. So keep your clickers handy, and maybe you'll come out with your favorite Mountaineers at the end of the night. (laughs) That's true and what, like that's how bad it is they can't even be the only mountaineers on TV that's bad like so oh, just give them a break right
0: and the Appala- the undefeated Appalachian State mountaineers that's what I was double checking I knew they were top 25 but had to make sure yes they are indeed 7 and 0 with a well then they got a win over at UNC so at least they got a little bit of something on that schedule um but let's let's turn let's get back to to Our Mountaineers, Mike, the team that that we cover, West Virginia. Some interesting comments today from head coach Neil Brown talking about, I want to start here because this was the first thing that caught my attention when he was talking. Um, We'll start on either side. His first comment that the future was bright on offense, Uh, talking about how he said, quote, we got a lot of hope on offense. Offensively, the future is really bright for us. Uh, he, this is where he began with the he's not saying the word freshman anymore uh, he calls it the F word and then the he, he turned and kind of spun it a little bit and said defensively that he didn't say that the hope wasn't there, but he commented on the fact that there were a lot of older players on that side of the ball and quote the next two recruiting classes are going to be critical. I but I'll let you you tell me your thoughts on on both of those comments, whichever one you want to take, and then I'll share mine.
1: Interesting. I'm the one who reads between the lines, and <laughs> I hadn't really gave that this this depth of thought until we were talking about this. And I get it. I think part of it is the way it was framed. I think that the question was specifically about the wide receivers and how they'd made a good catch at some point during the season, and they're going to be okay. So maybe just a direct reference to the question was his response, and yeah, yeah. hey, we are going to be good on offense. So that might be it too. I also think that he did sweep it up a little bit, and I don't think he made a mess and he realized it. I think what he was saying was that, you know, right now we are seeing the future of the offense on the field, and it's bumpy, and it's not clean, and it's not delivering at the moment, but it's also hard to watch it and, and think, you know, oh, boy, they're in trouble for a couple of years. No, you see some bright spots. I think we don't have the same window into the future on defense because they don't have quite as many – Players or quite as many um, opportunities for freshmen to shine. And there's a couple. We've seen Jordan Jefferson have a good game or two, some nice plays. Taiki Smith has obviously transitioned really well and it's going to be somewhere next year. Uh, Nick Troy Fortune, uh, Kerry Martin in smaller roles, maybe expanded recently, but I don't think any one of them really draped themselves in glory the last two games. So if you compare them side by side, you're getting a better look at who is part of the future on offense. And while it's not a great look, it's, it's nevertheless promising. I think is what I got from that.
0: I got you there. I I, I'm with you. I understand like the, the defensive players. See, for me, I'm looking at the offense and I see guys. Yes. Sam James been playing great. Winston Wright's had a something here or there. Uh, Same with Ollie Jennings. And then on the offensive line, obviously Bryson Mays and James are starting, but When I look at defense, I mean, Tykey Smith has been solid, a solid starter, which is incredible for a true freshman. Um, Kerry Martin has had his ups and downs, but thankfully, when he's had his downs, he's bounced back and played well right after it. And then Nick Short of Fortune, I mean, he's being thrown right into the fire as a true freshman playing cornerback in the Big 12. And then Jordan Jefferson, you never hear of true freshman playing nose tackle at at the Power 5 level or really at any level and I think he's doing just just fine when he's out there, obviously in spurts, which I, I think is what they want. So for me, I feel like there is a bright future, not to say that the offense isn't bright. Like the, the, there is hope there too, but I just felt like the defense it has a strong future as well and has actually shown it some on the field with with those guys. So
1: I would agree, but would you also say that maybe the defense – doesn't shoulder the blame as much as the offense, and maybe he doesn't feel the need to um, acquit the defense nearly as much as the offense. Well,
0: that's true. I think <laughs> the, yeah, the offense has definitely taken a beating from pretty much everyone at this point. I have a question. Yes.
1: Do you think Brown uses the actual F word?
0: <laughs> only, only when he's got his co- uh, play sheet over his mouth. I don't think I've actually ever heard him or seen him say it. Uh, I'm certain. He said it. Uh, was that the Texas game? When was that? When he had his mouth covered <laughs> by his play sheet and the national television on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm certain that there was an F word back behind that that play sheet.
1: He doesn't strike me as like fiddlesticks or or fudge or anything like that. But maybe he just doesn't load the cannon up as much as um, well as predecessors perhaps have. But I've never heard him say it. Um, and We've had some conversations. He's never been mad at me. Well, he's probably been mad at me. He's never spoken to me when he's been mad at me, so I'm not I've never drawn that out of him as I have from others. But like I could also see him being really disciplined about it and and not want to say it because of like a wife and kids and everything, and maybe that just carries over in the locker room. Maybe he just doesn't put himself in position to say it, but I don't know. It just occurred to me today that like he was really policing himself over that and I just I don't know, I guess I got a little bored and I was wondering. I was like, Who else would have any level of interest in this question? I'll ask Chris.
0: you know me i'm a knucklehead i'll talk about it uh two other f words he talked about today that i thought were interesting because we the two of us have discussed one or both of them several times throughout the year uh you specifically during uh today's media session brought up running back tony mathis and brown could couldn't really contain himself He, he jumped right into it and said that mathis has had an excellent couple of weeks after he got back from injury and will play this year. Although he wasn't sure it would be this week. He is traveling, but wasn't sure he was going to play. And then Jarrett Bartlett, who I think early before the year, when we made our very first 70 man roster travel roster, I had him on mine and I thought he was the kind of guy that could do one thing extremely well. And those are the kind of guys, you know, you tack on to the tail end of your travel roster he might, he will play in this game, is what Brown said. Will play in this game. He will make the trip. This will be his first action, is what Brown said. Which one of these two guys do you think is going to have a bigger impact over the last few games?
1: I think it's a great question. And if, if we don't have a definitive answer, uh, I don't think it's going to be because they didn't get enough chances or they didn't um, get situated properly. I think they're both going to have opportunities. Um, they just need numbers at running back, and they don't have anybody to play bandit. Um, Asking a true freshman to play bandit right now is tough, but I also think you can line that up in a certain way where um he just does a small number of things and that's it. And like, you could say, Hey, listen, you're fast and you can bend and lean. Can you run around that tackle and, and just threaten the quarterback here? Or can you, can you, you know, sharply turn up the line and maybe make a tackle? I think that there's enough athleticism there apart from how they can coach him up and teach him, you know, what he has to look for and react to that immediately he can, he can give you some effort. Um, but I don't think he's quite the talent that Cowan was and Cowan took a while to get used to it. And I, I think he was maybe getting his feet settled. We only saw him for two games, but like think about that. If you, if you compare those two people and what they knew and what they were capable of and kind of the runway they had, it's, it's not completely dissimilar, but they're not the same player. So I think that it's going to be harder for him to, to make the impact at that position, but I think he's going to get chances. Uh, Mathis is the one that um. I know the coaches really like they they just kind of contacted him in high school when they were at Troy. And they're like, we don't think that, you know, you're going to come to Troy. We think you're probably too good for us, but let's get to know each other. And lo and behold, some time later, they end up on the same campus of West Virginia, which is kind of a weird thing about college sports. They had him as like a recruiting priority. um, And now they have him and they were eager to use him. One thing that we didn't know about both these guys is that Bartlett and Mathis were hurt earlier in the season. Um, I believe Bartlett had a really bad ankle sprain. And Mathis, as we've discussed before and was finally revealed today, uh, had some sort of a knee injury that required a little procedure and he's good to go now. Um, I think that these guys probably both play earlier in the season. Bartlett, for sure, if not on special teams and perhaps on defense, he probably gets in, you know, sooner than this based on some of the shenanigans going on with the bandit and injuries. Mathis might be a harder one just because I think he's a good enough player that you can get a couple really good years out of him. So maybe you don't squander one. Um, I can just see that as being the guy who's just going to look different and be fresher and have things that are more geared for him. Like, you know, what are a handful of plays that he can do and excel at? That would be my guy that of those two that you say, Hey, that was a really good four game stretch for him. I'm excited to see him next year.
0: So you, you picked that of those two, you uh, stress there. Is there somebody else that in this freshman class, this F word class that might, you know, Take better advantage of this four-game kind of trial run.
1: Oh, the four-game run, huh? There's not a whole lot well, of candidates left, right? Let's see. Well, of anybody, then I guess. I'm I'm really eager to see what Ollie Jennings does. It's it's pretty apparent that he is uh, a heady and and uh, I would say consistent player. I like the way he runs routes. Um, I'm not even talking about the helmet catch; that was cool. It's also illegal, apparently. I'm not sure how, but if you just watch him, like they put in they hadn't run a whole lot of mesh stuff during the season. They kind of gotten away from a little bit. They brought it back against Oklahoma and he ran some nice routes off of that. And I think Kendall's going to get used to seeing him in the right spots where he's supposed to be in that they'll connect a little bit. It's already starting to happen, but they're running screens for him. They're sending him vertical. They're doing a lot of stuff with him and they kind of have to until Ryan comes back. And we're not sure if Sean Ryan will come back. I'm just excited to see what he does. Um, I'd I'd like to see them have a plan for Winston, right? Just because he has some gifts that the offense doesn't really have. So that'd be cool. Um, defensively I don't know why man this is one you and I have talked about for a while and I'm not even sure what the reason is I'm super intrigued about to Corey Turner just a big long tall guy who runs like a 4-3-ish 40 um, you can find a way to use that guy I'm not sure what it is this year if he's just covering kicks or if he's a gunner on the pump block team I don't know but like that guy has some ability and again that's a guy the coach has liked before and ended up coming to campus with them so there's something there that I don't know what it is, but you kind of get a chance to, to to break some egg and scramble them in this final four games or so. And that's when I'd like to see what they what they have a plan for him. But maybe we have to wait until the spring for that.
0: This is a sad, sad day for the podcast where Mike has already <laughs> already ditched downtown Freddie Brown, just just like or uptown Freddie Brown. I don't know. Oh, he's uptown. He's uptown. Does it does it matter? Because now he is. uh, I'm not even sure we can call him your man crush anymore. Not not even one mention on the freshman standouts.
1: It did occur to me during this open week that the secondary would be in a much better situation. Cornerback, safety, wherever. Barry Moreland was still in town.
0: Yeah, that is true. He's having a great year. He would absolutely be playing right now um but i speak of quarterbacks you got me on the turner thing that was where i was leaning not toward. like if i was thinking of guys who haven't played at all yet and we're trying to fit under that four game window because you and i were talking to the same person when we heard about that speed and his ability and then you look at his size six two six three um and, and running that fast moving that well i you get kind of giddy thinking about those gifts all in one package and, and what you might be able to do with them. And I think with something like that, this four game window is the perfect opportunity for him to kind of get thrown out there. And let's just say, hey, let's see what happens.
1: Um, I think it's interesting, too, because like in basketball, seven footers don't really want to be known as like seven Feet tall right right and then like and, the, and like in baseball like when i was growing up playing baseball like if a guy could hit 90 in the gun they never really said he hit 90 oh he's up 80s whatever and and people like this are are the same like guys may run 4-3 they don't really cop to 4-3 which is strange because like i'd be bragging about it but like and this is a couple times like oh he's like he's like a 4-4 guy he's a 4-5 guy and he's not he's like a 4-3-8 guy like that who can who can fly a little bit too so i, I just think they have they have Something there. And again, I don't know when I just I would like to see it.
2: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Now, some of this conversation, I want to go off a couple different branches here. We we just went down one about who might be able to stand out down the stretch. Um, Backtracking to Mathis and the running back run game situation. Is it as simple as... Mathis enters and West Virginia runs the ball or it, I mean, I know it's not that simple, but can he help it? Do we think he can help it? Uh, I mean, because I, I, I think every most everybody was high on basically everybody in the backfield prior to this season. Uh, <coughs> Alex <Linkfield. coughs> Um, <laughs> But, you know, is Mathis somebody who can change that or is it just we got to get him out there?
1: I'm surprised how wrong I was on Sinkfield. I don't know if it's him or if it's the idea that this isn't working, whatever, but I just, oh boy, just not getting a lot of opportunities and not even in the slot. Like that that guy will block. And if they were looking for guys to block in the slot, I thought, all right, this guy's been a receiver for like four years now, right? That's what they keep telling us. And um, so, again, I don't, he's fast. I'm not sure that. This is an offense that needs somebody who runs fast in the running game, and, and Mathis may be like a little bit in between the guys. He may not be as big as Brown. He may not be as 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 small as uh, Sinkfield. He might not be as fast as Sinkfield. He might not be as durable as Brown. Maybe he's right in the middle. So I'm not sure that he leans any one way and, and delivers an extreme that is missing right now, too. But I just I just think a guy who's who doesn't know any better right now, like he hasn't run behind this offensive line, and and isn't concerned or like he's not seeing ghosts or anything like that. So maybe that's good for him. Um, I just think something fresh and a guy who's eager and knows that I got four games to do something, let's go do it. But the truth is they got to clean up a lot of stuff too. Like they're, they're, they're not very good when they're on the move, whether it's like sliding or pulling or running screens. So their offensive lineman needs to get shored up. I think that they're probably doing stuff that they're capable of doing. I don't think there's a lot of wasted stuff in their running game. You know, sometimes you see like a pull that doesn't work. Um, you know, sometimes we'll see like a power play that isn't perfectly executed. Uh, You kind of need that stuff in your offense. I don't think you should ditch it, but you know, running is still just kind of inside zone, outside zone and pull a guard. Right. Which is all they're really doing. So it's, it may just be repetition and getting better. I've thought about this and I've written about this. I have no idea how they fix it. Like, Like there's, there's not a whole lot you can try, especially this late in the season when you have, um, you know, who and what they have, which isn't a lot of experience, but, um, does a running back fix that? I think it might excite everybody. And sometimes running backs can make offensive linemen better, but by and large, it's probably on the offensive line to make the running game better. And maybe a, a week off and, and self-scouting and, and kind of simplifying things or whittling things down to what they do best, maybe that's good for them.
0: Yeah, Everything you're saying here wants to send me down another, another rabbit hole of a conversation. But before, before I get too lost, I, Jared Bartlett, i get my train of thought here. You mentioned him. We mentioned him as, as a bandit type of player. But he's not going to start, is he? Like, what, what, what are the answers? You got to talk to the coaches after Neil Brown's press conference and, and got to get a little more information about what's going on. What is West Virginia going to piecemeal together at the linebacking core this week?
1: <laughs> All right. So everything that we thought we knew we can kind of ditch, right, because it's, it's changed quite a bit. It sounds like they'll start, I think, um, Tonkery at Bandit, Campbell at Mike, Quantel Reigns at Will, which is kind of strange. It it sounds like Quandarius Qualls won't play, so they're going to need another starting Bandit. Um, So
0: Reigns over over low at at starting, or, or just he's over there?
1: Maybe yeah, you caught me there. Low, I think Lowe played pretty well against Oklahoma. He had some some bad tackling moments there, but I think he looked like a guy who can play. Um, he's got to tackle better for sure. But you're right, you're right. I think that's probably a better one. I'm just I'm just hung up on the fact that Reigns is Will now. He's out of Spear. He's over at Will, and Spear and Will are similar enough. Um, kind of like Mike and Bandit, where you can move around. And in the past, they they've done some things with their defense here at Troy. Um, Where the, you know, some years they wouldn't even use a spear or they wouldn't even use a will because they had one and not the other. And they could, they could use two wills or two spears because it's similar enough. They had the right bodies, the right people. So um, I I like Lowe. I think Lowe would be good. But Campbell in the middle with Tonkery and Abbott behind him and then Tonkery at Bandit really kind of split in time, I think. And then you're going to get some Zach Sandwich and some Bartlett in there too. And, And like, man, we are. We're pretty deep in the in the the pool of available prospects there.
0: Yes, I, I looking back at the depth chart from before the season, and guys, all these guys are in different spots. A couple of these guys that are going to either be playing or, um, maybe even starting, we're not even in the too deep to yeah. start the year. And and here we are. That's just where West Virginia is, especially at the linebacking core with all the transfers and injuries and everything else that's hit them. Uh, something else you commented on that Neil Brown mentioned today and I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, I'll get it out of the way. I am okay with it. I liked the comment. I like the idea. I know long-term it might be the right idea. Um, But kind of when discussing things overall, Brown said basically that they're not doing scout, not really focused on at least as far as what they're teaching. Now the coaches might be focused on the scouting of the other teams but that a lot of their practice time is not spent on uh you know showing the the team what the opponents are doing what Baylor's going to do and future opponents are going to do each week but rather making the team better quote I just want to get better period I'm not spending a large amount of time on what Baylor's doing that's not because I don't respect them I do I'm not spending on time on other what other teams in our league are doing because for our football team is the thing is we just got to get better your thoughts
1: i hope that he was talking about like the open week um you don't I think know.
0: that's a full rest of the season thing that was just I this I past don't, week
1: I don't, I don't know how astute that would be like if you're not if you're not getting ready for the other team i don't know how you're going to react or to when you encounter something that you've never seen um it's that's maybe, but like I don't know what you do in practice. You can't go good on good in practice all the time. You can't, so you gotta use your scout team. I think he has concerns about how good his scout team isn't. I mean, he's he's bumped up probably a number of people from Scout to the, the good the good side right now and you're talking probably a pretty thin group of players who are on the scout team and maybe they're not giving them great looks. Um I would I would think that they're doing some preparation stuff. Like I caught that and I thought to myself, like, well, maybe he meant the open week. I haven't gone back and read it over yet, but like listening to you talk about it, it does sound like he's saying that they're gonna spend their Tuesdays and Wednesdays on their game plan against what the other team does. But then I don't know what the defense does because like if you wanna do your thing better than they do their thing, you know, that's a that's a risky thing right now when the people who are responsible for your thing aren't maybe who you planned on having now or in the future, or maybe they're not quite ready to do it, but you nevertheless have to use them. Um, that's that's a risky recipe right there, if, it, if that's what they're doing. I, I got to think they're doing some preparation stuff. Maybe that's not his major concern. Maybe they're doing more. Maybe the ratio is flipped a little bit, and maybe it's inverse, so that they like to work on themselves more than the other team, but there has to be some prep for the opponent in the game week.
0: Okay, so the game, prep for this week. You've looked at Baylor. What what does West Virginia have to do to win this game? And don't give me coach speak answers. Give me something real here. What, what do they have to do to win?
1: Strain. Win the turnover <laughs> battle. You don't think? You don't think that's good? Um, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be um, who can play their game a little bit here. And both these teams are better when they're out in front. Which is probably common across football, but I really think it's kind of like the way both these teams go. There are other teams that are really capable of coming back on you in this league. Uh, maybe not Baylor, although they're they're a pretty resilient team in Michigan. They've shown them a couple times. Um, West Virginia is not a team that's going to come back on you if, you if they get down too much. So you got to get out front. Um, you're going to steal a possession, whether with a fake punt or a turnover or a couple of stops, and you convert on one of them. But like West Virginia's got to really block their off op- their 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 linebackers and their, I don't know exactly how they bring the pressure, but they come from the second and third level on it. They don't do a ton with their defensive backs, um, or even with their with their defensive linemen. They kind of facilitate their linebackers and defensive backs. So um, if if these plays go long because you're getting covered up in the secondary, that's when they get their sacks. Um, they're pretty disruptive behind the line. They get TFLs, and, and again, it's a lot of second and third level players that come in. Their defensive linemen are big guys, but they don't really get a lot of sacks and, and you know havoc plays in the backfield, so you know getting ahead in the downs in distance situations that'll be good. And then getting ahead the in the game will be good too, because if you're if you're down, you know ten nothing, fourteen nothing, and you got to go against this this three safety look where they're blitzing from the second and third level, um, you know that's going to make Kendall hold the ball. He's going to have to deal with the pressure. West Virginia's pass protection's been all right lately, but this is kind of a different challenge. You're not getting exotic stuff. You're getting like just effort and. You know, the longer the play goes, the better that defense is against you, too. So, play ahead in the down to distance. Play ahead in the game because it's not going to be easy to get um, to get back in the game if you're out of it. Baylor, on the other hand, is is like really good at just having their style and if they run the ball. They don't mind playing close games. So, like if it is back and forth, they're okay. But they're better in the front. They they run it. Um, their passing game is it, it can be splashy, but pretty efficient. You know, they move the ball and they do some things. Their quarterback isn't a runner. Like, he'll run the ball, but he's not Hurts and Purdy and Ellinger. Um, Charlie Brewer is kind of a guy who can scramble and make some things happen. But he just kind of runs their show. He hands it off. He makes the passes. um, And he lets his guys do something with it. They have a lot of speed on offense. And they have different players who can do different things, too. And and that's how they get in front. They'll hit a player or two or they'll, they'll get a quick drive based off of one play or two plays to get them close to the goal line they finish and the next thing you know they do that just a couple times they have a stop or two and they're out ahead of you and then they're driving in their lane and they're playing their game
0: i was on the same boat as you I, my coach speak answer was when the turnover battle west virginia plus four in their three wins minus eight and their four losses uh and then yeah uh, right on the same page with playing ahead because as brown noted and you just did that uh Baylor really gets after you once they get ahead, and that's where a lot of their "quote unquote" havoc plays occur. Is after they get ahead, and if West Virginia can score early, if that offense can get on the board early, I think it will lift a weight off of both sides of the ball. If the offense will feel like, hey, we we can do something, and the defense won't feel as much pressure to have to, you know, get six stops in a row. Um, I think that's where we've seen the defense kind of start to falter is once the offense begins sputtering the defense is having to get stops every drive and it's just not going to happen and they get worn down and and then it turns into a blowout so i think if the offense can score early and protect the ball that's going to go a long way in, in winning this game
1: yeah west virginia has a lot of pass breakups and not a lot of interceptions and they don't get the ball out a lot, you know, punching and ripping and stripping. Um, they have forced, I think, seven fumbles in seven games, and they've only recovered three. So, like, they're they're getting their hands on balls, and they're not picking them off. They're not ripping the ball out, and when they do, it doesn't happen. Baylor's really good at that. Like, they're handsy, they jump stuff, they catch the ball, um, they'll rip it out too. And, like, again, that's West Virginia, when good, has done well to like exploit those little margins we talked about, where they have an edge, they can find an edge, and they really kind of inflate it for their own good. Um, Baylor kind of does that in some key spots. So like that turnover margin, again, it's cliche or whatever, but man, it's like eighty-eight and twelve when West Virginia wins the turnover margin in the past hundred games that they've won. Um, kind of indicative, and boy, on the road, if you turn over a couple times um, against a number twelve undefeated team, good luck.
0: Yeah. All right, Mike, I think that's going to wrap about wrap it up for us today, unless you got something else you want to add, or if you want to plug some stories you got coming before kickoff on Thursday night.
1: I'm going to try to figure out, you know, look, uh, where, Big 12 has been pass, pass, pass for a long time. I was looking at West Virginia's final five opponents and like four of them are top 30 running offenses. And they've already played a couple of them that are really good running teams. Um, you know, Baylor got behind, excuse me, Oklahoma got behind and, and, it was hard for them to get back in it quickly because their big plays are running plays usually, you know, that's how they chunk up yardage. And if you look at, you know, what Oklahoma state and Kansas state and TCU and Baylor are doing, they run and they kind of control the game too. So are we seeing like a little bit of a shift there and how is it happening? So Vic Koning and Matt Moore kind of helped me out with that. Um, Reese Donahue been pretty good. So yeah. Yeah. Talk I, to his coaches I, I, there. I, I was
0: gonna. Say, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but yeah, the Donahue thing, especially after they made, you know, everybody was kind of hyping up what Dante Stills was doing, and then uh, Reese gets switched. He switches with Reese, and Reese is back to being the starter, and and has played. Pretty darn well since that happened. So.
1: so Reese is the most talkative guy on the team. Maybe the best talker on the team. He likes to meet with us and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know what the deal was. He didn't come out today.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, no.
1: But fortunately, um, Dante Stills did talk, and he is obviously a, a, an important part of the defensive line now and in the future. And, and he says he's really watching Donahue do something special here at the end and, and can't help but notice it. So that's the angle we're going for there. Sure, Donahue has been good, it helps right now. But He's a senior going out on a good note, but it may also help him out next year, too, because he's showing, um, he's showing the guy who's next what he has to do.
0: Right. And later today, I will have uh, insider Q&A with Tim Watkins of Bears Illustrated, our Baylor site. Tomorrow, Wednesday, I will have a podcast up with him. So whether you choose to listen or read, you can have one or the other or both. Um, we will have uh, expert picks, five things to know about Baylor, Couple recruiting updates and a recap of what's going on with the Mountaineers in the NFL lately. And
1: I'm going to have. Am I, I going to have? The guest, if I get the guest, uh, don't don't say it. But if I get the guest, it's like a nine and a half, right?
0: Yeah, it's up there. I, I'm not. I wasn't going to say it. I was going to bring up the fact that uh, you know I'm still going to have my best bets on Thursday morning. Uh, we had an, uh, a blah week, but. Uh, uh, don't think I'm not going to take a couple jabs at Mike, who might secretly be a bigger degenerate than I am. So, uh, we'll see if Mike wants to admit to any of this at his next uh, Gamblers Anonymous meeting. But
1: the weather was not good. <laughs> it kept me it kept me from getting healthy in some games that I normally get, like teams I liked, like I don't know Stetson. <laughs> um and it cost me in some situations where i just it, it was a mess in the eastern michigan game like i don't know how the heck that you lose to a team that's playing it's third quarterback and doesn't have a bunch of offensive linemen or whatever but you know it, hey it's great that you came back from down three touchdowns eastern michigan but why don't you finish the game
0: hey do you do you people hear this everybody's making fun of me for my rutgers liberty pick that hit like in the first <laughs> half uh on the over under and mike's over here betting on stetson in portland state and who had half a dozen other FCS teams? Come on! I,
1: I love the ESPN Plus package. It's giving me so much intel, but it, it really blew up in my face because Portland uh, State really should have come through and blew that game. missed a missed a field goal with like a minute left, and then gave up field uh, or just just bad. Uh, it was it was rough. And then also, this is karma, but UConn minus ten. I couldn't allow that to happen. I had to get in the other side of it, and they not only covered 10, they won by 21, because UMass is not great, it turns out. It gave up 56 and only scored scored 35, 35, which is kind of a half a season for them. But I had to stick to my principles and go against um, Coach Edsel. Um, And if he hadn't blocked me on Twitter, I would tweet him and congratulate him for his second win of the season.
2: Oh,
0: boy. And, And... I'm sure the fans are thrilled with your ESPN Plus promo right there, but it did remind me, and I can't I can't say it right now because uh, some of you like to get a sneak peek and, and cheat a little bit and listen to this podcast the night before it actually gets posted on the site. But uh, we have some, some related news coming out for our VIP members. Um, we'll kind of share it with some of our VIP members hopefully Tuesday, uh, and if not, then you will find out by the end of the week. And it's a, a nice big extra perk for our VIP members. It does not cost anything extra, just a little something extra to say thank you for being a member. So I look forward to sharing that news with all of you. Um, Mike, anything else to add before we go?
1: No, but I had no idea what you were talking about, so I'm very intrigued by this. Oh, a good
0: well, I'll tell that. you as soon as we uh, we oh, get good. off this podcast. Yeah. Um, All right, well, that is all for this week. I thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out uh, the site, all the other updates we will have at earsports.com. I am Chris Anderson. I am slightly poor. (laughs) And thanks for listening.